Good morning, Harvest Bible family and friends. And uh, I'm so glad to see each and every one of you here today. And to know that, uh, oh, you're okay. Oh, yeah, you better turn just a smidge over here. I can get over this way a little bit. There we go. How's that? All right. So, anyway, we are so glad to see each and every one of you here today. And uh, if I'm over there a little bit, I'm going to get out of the way just a little bit. That'll be all right. There we go. Well, that won't work. There we go. You'll have to turn just a little bit to get the screen in here, and then I'll duck out of the way a little bit. All right. Just a smidge there. There we go. All right. I don't know. Uh, first of all, let me just say once again, thank you to everyone uh, for being on live, uh, being on with us and watching us and, the, and so forth. It is the day for technical difficulties. I'm just telling you. I came in here this morning, did what I do every week, and uh, just to set up, nothing would connect. <laughs> Computers would not connect to the screen. Uh, I tried a different computer. It wouldn't connect. Internet was going in and out. It was just crazy. And uh, I say oftentimes it's just probably Satan fighting a good thing. He doesn't want the word to go out. We'll just call it that. We'll blame it on that even if it's not. It sounds like a good reason to, uh, a good enough reason to uh, uh, blame Satan for it. But uh, the interesting thing is, is that it seems like it's right across the board for everybody. And uh, to just basically know that every time you're trying to do anything good, Satan wants to fight it. And so we're, we're going to win. He's not going to win. And so... Uh, Anyway, thank you for coming on, and uh, good to see each and every one of you. What a great day, too, to be reminded of how important prayer is. Um, Pastor Jim gave a devotional this morning on persistent prayer, and uh, as you can see in the backdrop, how we each need to be in the Word of God, praying through the Word of God, applying its principles to our daily living, and I don't know what an unsaved world who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, who does not have our God as their Heavenly Father, how they get through everything. Um, I'm just I'm just saying, I, I, I don't know how I'd get through without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, but I just, I, just, I just know that He loves us, and, uh, and I'm thankful for that love and that prayer, that concern for everything that He does for us. And, um, and I know that, uh, I hope that you feel that love as well. Uh, maybe some of you were shocked and surprised as you looked out your windows, as you looked on the side of your driveways, as you, uh, got out in your cars and left and it's like, oh, wait a minute, we've been signed. Uh, I think Laura Leonard, you said we, I got churched. And, uh, so your church sign was in your yard. Uh, there's only two people that I know of and I will get to your house. Maybe you're thinking, well, you didn't get to my house. There's two people that didn't get a sign, and uh, I know who you are, and uh, we're going to get there this week. And uh, so, at any rate, we're glad to, to know that you are loved, you are being prayed for, and uh, we can't wait to see you again. You know, these are unsettling times. Um, it's crazy enough to see what the world is going through in a time of pandemic, and if there's ever been a time to pray, it is now. But because of the pandemic, there are emotional struggles. It's amazing how much of a struggle being isolated is on so many people. And the ones that I feel the most badly for are those that are in nursing homes, in uh, retirement centers, and so forth. 
that can't get out and it seems like it's just wreaking havoc on their minds. My own family has got some members who are being greatly affected by that and just the fact that nobody's coming in and visiting is it's just uh it's wreaking havoc on their emotions and it's causing all kinds of problems. And uh something that maybe the powers that be don't take into consideration when they say shut everything down. They don't take into consideration how this is affecting people. And there are some ways that we can reach out to them and encourage them without necessarily drawing large crowds. But um, but it's hard. It's difficult. There's financial struggles that are involved with a lot of people not being able to work in normal circumstances. Um, but we know that there is one who does care. There is one who does hear every prayer. And... Uh, there's times of civil unrest because of this most recent injustice with George Floyd. Um, a lot of people are asking, what, what is, you know, how do I respond to all this? Well, injustice is injustice, and we never accept that. Um, I was just in awe as I was watching the video for the very first time, uh, just hours after it came out. And I'm just sitting there thinking, there are people saying, check his pulse, check his pulse. Hey, officer, check his pulse. Check. I don't think he's breathing. Check his pulse. And they didn't move. They just stood there. And I just thought to myself, wow, do we just not care anymore? Um, this is not a race issue. It's, it's, it's a sin issue. And once again, we don't. Uh, what this world needs is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And this is a further proof and fr further indication of, of people who need Jesus more than anything else. And I'm just thinking as we're going through all these things that we're experiencing, as we're watching them, there's a flood of emotions that go through our minds, a flood of, of thoughts that go through our minds, a flood of, uh, you know, what actions do I take, do I not take, to, to see something good come as a result of all this. Uh, but I, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that we can't sit back and do nothing. Um, but there are a couple of verses that, that did come to my mind this week. And Psalm 56.3 says, When I am afraid, I will trust in you. There is fear. Um, I, as I watched uh, my home state, Minnesota, getting looted and burned to the ground in Minneapolis. And uh, even as it came closer to where my mom lives in St. Cloud. And uh, she lives a little bit further away than that. But it just it goes beyond uh justice for George Floyd to to acts of sinfulness that point to the fact that the world needs Jesus Christ um but i just as in awe as i'm watching my city that i grew up in being burned to the ground in several places my mom spent nearly 20 years working for target corporation and uh to think that uh target stores would be looted and burnt and destroyed and people just walking out with shopping carts full of stuff that they didn't either work for nor pay for is just sinful. And, of course, everything else across the city of Minneapolis that was destroyed, business after business after business after business. And then there's a part of you that says, well, that's in Minnesota. That's not here in New York. Well, it didn't take long before the acts of injustice turned to more acts of injustice, the acts of sinfulness uh, turning into more acts of sinfulness, and it reaches all across the country, Chicago and uh, Louisville and, and here in Rochester, New York. 
And uh, seeing that even last night, there was a lot of fear. I had church members texting me saying, are you okay? I appreciate their concern, but it was, it's an act of uh, fear that, 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 that causes people to reach out and, you know, and see how other people are doing. But there's just a sinfulness that points to the fact that we need Jesus Christ now more than ever. And uh, But I'm also reminded that even as Psalm 56 says that when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Isaiah 26, 3 in the, in the Christian standard says it this way. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. For it is trusting in you. And I like how it says it in other translations. It says that will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. But in the Christian standard it says you will keep the mind that is dependent it's more than just being stayed on him. It's a realization that I am dependent on Jesus Christ. I am dependent on God, my Heavenly Father. Amen. And when we do that, it says, it says perfect peace because my trust is coming from him. So let me just encourage you. If you are afraid, turn to Jesus Christ. If you have already turned to Christ and you still have fear, keep your mind dependent on Jesus Christ. And he'll give you the perfect peace that you need. Um, that's not always easy, but it's right. And uh, we can't take justice into our own hands as individuals. I'd love to. Uh, there's been many times in my life where I've thought, or oh, I, I just want to take care of that situation myself. Because I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like what I'm viewing. I don't like what I'm experiencing right now. I, w I wish I could uh, have 10 minutes with that person because they're acting... Uh, wicked and, and, and sinfully and it's affecting people I love and, and they're hurting people I care for um, but God says vengeance is mine I will repay and I would hate to be in the shoes of somebody who, is, who will experience the wrath of God in his due time and so we, we trust Jesus Christ to do what, what he needs to do to take care of these things and uh, let me just encourage you to trust him if there's ever been a time in our world where you need to trust Jesus Christ, it is now. Um, just this week, I had a former friend, uh, I say former, someone I knew well years and years and years ago, um, probably going back close to 20 years, put a comment on Facebook, says, these are the reasons why I don't trust God, because of what's going on right now. How could a God that loves us allow these things to go on? I don't have all the answers, but I know that God didn't make this happen. God did not work in the heart of a person to say, hey, you know, act unjustly, cause a death. God did not do that. God's word reminds us that the heart, the human heart, is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? God's word reminds us that even all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. For those of you that just think that you're perfect, that you don't do any wrong. News alert, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and all means all, every one of us. There is none righteous, no, not one. God's word reminds us in Romans 5, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. You're a sinner and so am I. And it's the deceitfulness of our own sinfulness that causes us to think that we're better than we are. But all these things remind us how desperately we need a Savior. And if there's ever been a time that this world needs to see Jesus, it's now. So those of us 
who are frustrated by what we're seeing rather than remaining in frustration though that's real and it's it's a real emotion we have to look to jesus and spend more time in prayer now than ever before asking god to do what we cannot do and god will do what he needs to do in his time the reality is we can't take justice in our own hands not to though we'd like to can i just challenge you to to be in prayer but if you need Jesus, it's a simple prayer of faith. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid the price for my sin. And God's word says, for with the heart one believes, but with a mouth confession is made. It's a simple childlike prayer of faith. Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I call on you to be my savior. I put my trust in you. It's a simple childlike prayer of faith. And what I know from that prayer of faith is that when I do that, and I put my trust truly in him alone, that God's word says that he indwells me. It says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. You're not your own. Our body becomes a resident of the Holy Spirit and he goes with us everywhere we go. Not only is that ultimate accountability, but it's ultimate encouragement that he's with me no matter where I go. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. And so the reality is, if you don't know him, can I encourage you to pray in your own words, just acknowledging that you're a sinner, that Christ paid the debt for that sin and to put your faith and trust in him and him alone. Government will not save you. He cannot save you. Uh, last night, my friend Shadane Flowers was preaching online just for a few moments and how everybody wants to take the political world in their own hands. You, it, politics will never save you. Government cannot save you. And if you put your trust in anything other than Jesus Christ, you'll be led astray and be disappointed. Period. Amen. So you have to come down to the realization that you need Jesus Christ now more than ever. And we need him to be with us, to go with us, to go before us, to go with us, to come behind us, to do what only he can do in our lives. Man, I haven't even started preaching yet. And uh, just some truth from God's word that we need to apply to our hearts and our lives. So I'd like to just take a moment and pray and ask God to work in our hearts and our lives and to really just remind us to, to put our trust in him again. So I just encourage you to bow with me, to pray with me. and. Uh, as we get done praying, encourage you to share the video as we're going to invite others to watch. They need this message. They need this message. And uh, all the messages found in God's Word. But especially today, if you're discouraged, if you're frustrated, you're going through anxiety, you need this message today. So let me, let's, just, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the opportunity and the privilege, Lord, to know you. And Lord, your word reminds us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God, I thank you for the fact that I don't have to wish, I don't have to think, I don't have to hope, Lord God. I know that I have you as my Savior. I know that my faith and trust is in you alone. And I thank you, God, for that, for the hope of heaven that I have because of that relationship that I have with you, because of what you did for me on the cross. 
And Lord God, I do pray, if there be one out there today, Lord, that does not know you as their Savior, might today be the day of salvation for them. I ask their Father, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. Lord God, that you would just put an irresistible call on their life to turn to you. I pray, God, that as I've never prayed before, Lord, that you would just, uh, Lord, don't let them sleep at night. Don't let them think about anything else until they settle this issue in their heart and their mind with you, Lord. And I ask your Father, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. But God, I look forward to the day that we can spend eternity in heaven with you. And I ask God, until that day, God, would you continue to draw close to us? May you reveal your presence to us in all that we say and do. And Lord, I do pray that we would lift high the name of Jesus. Because you said, if I be lifted high, I will draw all men to myself. I pray, God, that even as Paul said it, that even though we are crucified with Christ, we live. And yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. That people would see a picture of Christ in how we live. I pray that as John the Baptist said, I'm not the light. I came to bear witness of that light. That we might be a mere reflection of Jesus as people look to us, at us. I ask, Father, Lord, that you would just work in, the, in, the, in our midst, Lord, to show yourself strong, especially to those who need you, Lord. God, I pray that wherever the word of God is going forth this day, Lord, that you would accomplish your purposes and your will, Father. I ask, dear God, that you would draw people to yourself, that you would encourage people through the preaching of your word. Lord, around the world, Lord, even in the middle of the night, Lord, as I uh, Lord, was thinking on TV last night or on Facebook last night, I could see my friends in India already proclaiming the word of God. I pray, God, that wherever the word of God is going forth, Lord, in, 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 in villages and and under trees and down by the lake and at camps and in upstairs attics and downstairs basements and in churches. Lord, around the world, I pray, God, that wherever the word of God goes forth this day, Lord, might it accomplish your perfect will. And I pray, Father, Lord, that even in our midst, Lord, those that are connected to the Harvest family, our, our, Lord, our friends from Mississippi and Indiana and Minnesota and Michigan and Wisconsin and Lord, all those places, Lord, where you have friends in Hawaii this morning, Dana, Lord, I ask God that wherever the word of God is going forth this day, Lord, may it accomplish your perfect intention, Lord. And I ask God that you'd speak to our hearts. So, Lord, meet with us, we pray. Be with those that are discouraged. Be with those who are afraid. Be with those that are going through difficult times of uh, financial stress and difficulty, Lord. Lord, that you would just be their uh, supply, their perfect peace in time of storm. So, Lord, meet with us, we pray, and we'll praise you for it, for however you see fit to work. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we look at God's Word, I invite you this morning to turn uh, to um, Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34. It's a great passage. It's an encouraging passage I want you all to consider this morning. You know, and as you're turning there to Psalm 34, every week pastors stand up in pulpits around the world to give a vast array of sermons. Uh, they come in different styles, expressions, tones. Uh, a lot of them are even in different lengths. Uh, some of you say, man, our preacher preaches way too long. Uh, some of you say, man, our preacher preaches for five minutes and, you know, it's over. Uh, all different lengths. And some of these messages are exhortation to obedience. And some of these messages are calls to salvation uh, or service. Some of uh, the messages leave you excited and and others leave you bewildered or frustrated. But today I want to bring you a message of encouragement. Um, I, I guess I would have never thought uh, of what was taking place in Minneapolis actually taking place here in Rochester. I thought, well, that's in Minneapolis. You know, we kind of dismiss it to that. 
And next thing you know, we're getting curfews of, uh, mandatory curfews of saying you got to be in at a certain time and no one can be on the highways and the roads. We're shutting places down. We're shutting things down. We want people to stay inside. And it's right here in Rochester. Crazy, crazy days that we're living in. But I hope that this message finds you saying, I'm encouraged by that. God's word is an encouraging word. And we all need encouragement. Uh, with everything that is not going good, we need to see what is going good. So I've entitled the message this morning, and I preached a variation of this message back in 2016. But just simply taste and see. Taste and see. So what we see here is not only a declaration of how good God is, but it is also a declaration of the psalmist's commitment and intention to praise God for his goodness. If you have your Bibles, I want to look at just for a moment Psalm 34 and follow along as I read this. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Those who took, look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. I want to stop there just for a moment. But you see right away in verses 1 and 2 that there are four statements that the psalmist makes um, from this particular verses. First of all, he says, I will praise the Lord. That's amazing to me, uh, as opposed to things. His mind is made up to praise the Lord. You know, there's a lot of things that people praise. They praise their income. They praise the car they drive. They praise the property that they own, the house that they live in. They praise the things that are closest to them. They praise their family, those things that are nearest and dearest to them. But the psalmist says, I'm not praising any of those things. I will praise the Lord. Now, here's the second phrase, at all times. Now, you can say in our minds just for a moment, does that mean even when things are difficult? Uh-huh. Even when things are really hard? Uh-huh. When things happen in my life that I would never choose, that I would never pick, I, I, I praise him during those times? Absolutely. He says, I will praise the Lord at all times. Not when things are convenient. Not what, just when things are going good. Not when there is enough money to go around. Not just when the car is going good and, and the wheels are, are looking good and the, car, and the car is starting good. He says, I will praise him at all times. You say, well, is that really practical? Is that really real? Yes, it is. Because there are times that I may not have be happy, but I always have joy because my joy is not depending upon my circumstances. My joy is found in my relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want real joy, you must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Things might make you happy. Things might not make you happy. But my joy is not dependent upon how things go or how things may not go in my life. So the reality is the psalmist says, at all times, as opposed to just praising in times of ease and convenience. Then he makes a third statement. His praise will be on my lips. Now, think about this just for a moment. We talk about a lot of things. There are a lot, there's a lot of talk on our lips. And a lot of it, sad to say, is just idle talk. We talk about the weather. 
You know, it's amazing right now that in this time of world pandemic, we don't even see anybody talking about sports hardly. You, you notice how fast it just has been dismissed from our from our minds. I, I I can't think of the last time someone talked about a football game. A couple months ago, there was the draft, and there was a little bit of talk during the draft, but even after that, you didn't hear anything. Nobody's talking about basketball. Nobody's talking about golf. There's a little bit of talk about NASCAR. But as a whole, nobody's talking about sports anymore. Nobody's talking really about a lot of stuff anymore that they used to talk about. We have new terminology now. Social distancing. Who would ever thought of that terminology? Or everyone having to wear a face mask. I'm sick of that. Probably like everyone else. Everybody's talking about politics. About the stock market's going It's his idle talk. The psalmist says... His praise will be on my lips as opposed to sports or news or politics or weather. I don't read about any of those things in Psalm 34. He says his praise. In other words, who God is, what he has done, what he is known for, what his reputation is, is what I'm going to talk about. That's what's going to be on my lips. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, I love this verse. I love how Mike Cosgrove Breaks this down. We won't do that right now. But finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Those are the things that we should dwell on. And if our mind was stated on those things in Philippians 4, 8, we wouldn't be worried about what's taking place in the world. We won't be worried about all the injustices that are taking place. We should fight up, fight for them. We should stand up for them. And the reality is most of us don't do anything about them, but we have to keep our mind on what is good, what is pure, what is lovely, and so forth, that we read of in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. But there's a fourth statement that the psalmist makes in Psalm 34. He says, I will boast in the Lord. I mean, this is awesome. As opposed to his own abilities, his own skills, talents, wisdom, or accomplishments. I mean, you don't see the psalmist saying, man, I am such a great writer. I'm going to write something that generations to follow are going to sit down and read. Whew! Pat myself on the back. I'm a great writer. You don't see him talking about that. You don't see him uh, boasting in how good a person he is. Well, I am so good. I mean, if there is one person that Jesus did not have to die for, you're looking at him. He didn't say that. He didn't talk about all the things that are going on around him and and his accomplishments and his abilities or his skills and the wisdom that he possessed. He says, I will boast in the Lord. The reality is, so much of the world before the pandemic was all about number one. Look at me. Look how great I am. Look at what I've accomplished. Look how much I have. I got two homes. I got boats. I got speed cars. I got got everything that, that man could want. And look what I've accomplished. Look how good I am. We boast in what is good to us. The psalmist says, I will boast in the Lord. Nothing else. And when we start thinking about that, the psalmist encourages everyone around him to do the same. He says there in Psalm 34, verse 3, Let us exalt his name together. 
if there's one thing that I look forward to is when we come when we start beginning to gather at the facility once again is is it is going to be corporate worship where we can stand up and put our arms up and say thank you for all that you have done thank you for the gift of salvation thank you for your forgiveness thank you for your mercy for your grace for your protection for your provision we got through all of this because of who you are not because of who we are Amen. and the reality is we need to exalt his name together and that's why the knows why the psalmist makes this declaration of praise first of all god answered and delivered him from all his fears you know we won't have hope first of all as we said a couple weeks ago if we don't continue to trust in the lord our hope comes from trusting in the lord as the psalmist declared here in verse four i sought the lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears you know you have to wonder if the disciples and those who were in biblical times, if they had Facebook, every time they had an emotion, I better put that on Facebook. I'm really frustrated. I need to write that out. Click send. Boom. Done. I just let the whole world know I'm frustrated. I'm going to put that on Twitter. You couldn't believe what I saw today. And that's all we put because then we want all the questions to come so we can check it out. Or Snapchat. We're going to snap that this guy was a jerk to me. And we aired out for the world to see. Listen, the psalmist says, I sought the Lord. I didn't seek friends. I didn't seek Facebook world, Twitter world, Snapchat world. I didn't seek uh, through phones all my friends that live all around the country and down the road and are on the next block. He said, I sought the Lord. And I think that's a reminder for every one of us to copy what the psalmist says in seeking the Lord. And when we do that, once again, as we said earlier, our joy is not based on circumstances. So we have joy. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. The pandemic is not going to dictate whether or not I have joy. The looting that's going on all around the world is not going to dictate whether or not I have joy. The circumstances around me are not going to dictate whether or not I have joy. These things are coming from the fact that I know that when I seek God, He's going to deliver me from all those fears. So the reality is, we need to emulate what the psalmist is saying here. Why does he have a declaration of place? Because God was there for him. He gives us a second reason. Number two, God heard his cries and saved him from all his troubles. You see that in verse 6. He says, this poor man cried, and the Lord him, uh, heard him and saved him from all his troubles. He knew that there was a confidence that he had in God that when he prayed to him, God was going to hear him and deliver him from all his troubles. You know, we can find joy in a, or, or happiness in a lot of areas, or we seek to try to find happiness in a lot of areas. But the reality is, when we put our attention on God, and our focus in Him, He's there for us. He hears our cries. He saves us from all His troubles. And then there's the third thing. The third reason to notice why the psalmist makes this declaration. God continually protects those who fear Him through His angels. Verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and rescues them. We might not think about that often, but one of the jobs that the angels has as given by authority of Jesus Christ, is to protect God's people. God continually protects those who fear Him. 
I don't have to fear what may be happening in the world today. I don't like it. I will protect my family from it. But the reality is, my protection and well-being is in the hands of God. Amen. That's right. And in God alone. The reality is, I have the ability to trust Him. Because His Word is true. He's faithful. He's just. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps those who fear Him. If you want God's protection, fear the Lord. He's on your side. So, taste and see. You know, let's just assume for a moment. In fact, let me go back to Psalm 34. And verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now think about that for a moment. Taste and see. You can sit there and listen to everything that I've said so far and say, Well, that's great for you, Pastor Ken. I'm glad you have the Lord. I'm glad you have that kind of confidence in Him. Let me give you an illustration. Let's assume for a moment that you are interested in the country of India. And because you are interested, you make a decision to do some exhaustive research on the country of India. So just for a moment, you know, you grab your laptop, you open it up, and you, you turn it on, and you hit the Google button, and you just start doing some research. And you know, it's not long before you get into Google and all of a sudden you begin to read and learn so much about the country of India. In fact, uh, you learn about its geography and climate and you'll find out that most of the year it's warm and it's hot. And I've been there and I tell you what, when it gets hot, it gets hot. And you're there and you're dressed uh, and you wish you could like just get down a pair of shorts and, and t-shirt and or tank top. And you're, you can learn that it's climate and it's geography and you can learn its customs and traditions and you can learn you know what it's called that the women wear the saris and and the, the type of material they wear and why they wear it and <coughs> maybe if you're a man you can learn a little bit more about a lungay and and uh maybe even wear one because they're comfortable at night and when you're sleeping and you know you wrap one around you and you say well, you, it's it's just very comfortable and light and it's not too heavy on you you can learn about its politics and its religions you can learn about how their government is set up and you can learn more about hinduism and uh, what it means to be a Hindu, and you can learn about its culture. You can even see a plethora of places online, and you can see a plethora of pictures online. After a short while, your mind's eye begins to get a glimpse of what India is all about. There's only one problem. When I shut down the internet, when I close the laptop, when I turn the computer off, everything that I have researched and read about the country of India is still just factual knowledge. It's just data. It's just information. Until you actually go there, you have not really experienced India. You have not really tasted and seen. When the psalmist says to taste and see, he's inviting you to experience for yourself. He's saying, just don't take my word for it. When you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and what God the Father has done through us on the cross of Calvary and His Son Jesus, you'll not truly know what it means to taste and see just how good God is. And He's inviting you. And I'm inviting you to taste and see. You don't like what's going on in the world? Put your trust in Jesus Christ. 
politics isn't going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. A good book is not going to do it for you. A good TV show is not going to take your mind off it for very long. The reality is we live in a sinful world. The reality is we live in a world that is filled full of hatred and violence and corruptness. But as a child of God, these things are just temporary. Our citizenship is in heaven. We long for the day when this world is past. And the world that Jesus Christ has for us in heaven one day is present. We live for what is to be, not for what is. And I invite you to taste and see that God is good. I can stand here today and say with the psalmist, taste and see that God is good because I've experienced it. I experienced his forgiveness. I've experienced his grace. I've experienced his mercy. If I got what I deserved, I'd spend eternity in hell. If I got what I deserved, I would experience no forgiveness of sin. But because of his mercy and his grace, I do experience those things. Unworthy, yet made worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ. The first part of this chapter really deals with, who is, with one who is grateful because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. He eventually continues to remind us to stay close to God and to follow him obediently. But I want to just for a moment concentrate on a few more verses here. Look with me at verse 10. I love this. He says, young lions lack food and go hungry. But those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Amen. Think about that. He says, when you put your trust in God, you'll not lack any good thing. He says, come children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And remember that what he said there? In verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. He says, those who fear me and trust me have my protection. And then he says, verse 11, come children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear. He says, I will teach you what you need to trust me. Who is someone who desires life, loving a long life to enjoy what is good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace, pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil, to remove all memory of them from the earth. There will be a day when God's justice will be noticed and seen by all. In fact, he says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them and rescues them from their troubles. Verse 17, The Lord is nearer to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. There are many who are crushed right now because of what has happened in their world. The injustice that we've seen in the last few weeks in Minneapolis, the last few days, it's not unnoticed by our Heavenly Father. And He's there for us. It says He protects all His bones and not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of His servants. And all who take refuge in Him will not be punished. The psalmist wants you to both taste and see that the Lord is good. I have experienced a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And I hope you have too. In fact, I just want to close with a couple of verses. Just a few more verses. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his love in this way, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 reminds us that today is a day of salvation. You can taste and see that God is good by acknowledging that he loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. He loved us so much that he provided a way to know him in a personal relationship with him. I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 just for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm almost there. And verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So he reconciled us, and then said, I'm giving you the ministry of reconciliation, so that we can invite others to experience Jesus Christ. Think about that. Going on here in verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. This is the same appeal that the psalmist is saying, taste and see that God is good. This is the same appeal that we need to be sharing with the world, to say you don't need to to, to live out your vengeance in your own hands. You don't need to take injustice into your own hands. What we do need to take in our, into our own hands is the ministry of reconciliation to point others to Jesus Christ. If you want freedom, it's going to be found in Christ. If you want truth and justice, it's going to be found in Christ. Nowhere else. And then he says in verse 21, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We want a world to change. You want a world to stop acting in selfishness. You want a world to stop acting in violence. You want a world to stop acting with injustice. They need Jesus. That's our ultimate issue. That's the ultimate uh, answer for the world's problems. Is Jesus Christ. And today is a day of salvation. So how can I taste and see how good God is? Well, four things. Understand that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. Romans 3.23 makes it clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Understand that God loves you and has paid the price. He took care of a sin debt that you had because you had a debt of sin that you could not pay. None of us can. Titus 3.5 reminds us that not works of righteousness which I have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. We don't deserve it, but yet he's offered it to us. Number three, understand that there's nothing you can do to save yourself. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 remind us, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The reality is you cannot save yourself. I cannot save myself. None of us are good enough for that. And number four, understand that you can trust Jesus today. Romans 10, 9, and 10, as I said earlier. For with a heart one believes, but with a mouth confession is made. And verse 13 says, For whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you willing to call on Jesus? You don't like what you're seeing in the world? Then live for something greater than the, this world. Live for something more than what this world can offer. 
In this world, you're going to have struggles. In this world, you're going to have trials. In this world, you're going to see wickedness and evil. In this world, you're going to see deceitfulness. In this world, you're going to see selfishness. But we don't have to be a part of that. We can live for something greater in Jesus Christ. And I trust that today, if you don't know him, that today would be the day of salvation for you. And once again, 1 John 5 reminds us, I don't have to hope for it. I don't have to wish for it. I don't have to think it might be there. And in reality, it might not be there. I can know for certain. And it's simply a prayer of faith in Jesus Christ. And I invite you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, would you simply pray a prayer like this? Oh, my prayer cannot save you. My prayer will not save you. But you're sitting there saying today, I would like to know Jesus Christ. I would like to have a relationship with him. I'm not sure how to do that. Can I remind you, just pray in your own words, something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that. I'm a sinner. And God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me. I trust in what God's word says, that you died on the cross for my sin. I put my faith and trust in you to save me, to restore me, to bring new life to me. I put my trust in you, Father. And I ask you to help me live for you. Oh, my prayer will not save you. My prayer cannot save you. But if you're willing to pray a simple prayer of faith like that, God's word says that you can become his child. And if you did that, The Holy Spirit now indwells you. He's with you everywhere you go to help you overcome what this world is throwing at you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Oh, taste and see that God is good. He is good. Oh, if you just trust him today. Lord Jesus, as I come before you this morning, Lord, I pray that whoever would be in Uh, listening range of this message, Lord, that they might know that you are their Savior. That they would truly experience that you are good. Lord, not just because of what I have said, but because of their own experience, that they would begin to taste and see that you are good. They've experienced your forgiveness. They've experienced your presence. They've experienced your joy. And because of it, Lord, they, they can give testimony of the fact that you are good. But Lord, I pray today if there be one that's, that has not tasted and seen, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Oh God, be with us in this world of sick, sinfulness and wickedness around us. God, would you be near to us. Lord, we trust you. We know that you're with us. God, may your presence be seen and observed by all. And we'll praise you for it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me encourage you this week to taste and see, to experience God's goodness, to spend time in his word, to pray, and to know that he is there. Taste and see that God is good. Don't just take my word for it. Experience it for yourself. Trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Well, as I say each and every week, there are several things that I just remind you of. Um, 
We've got to experience God and worship Him through His Word. We've got to experience Him and worship Him through our praise and worship. Thank you, Tituses, once again. We long for the day that we can begin to meet here at the church facility. And uh, hopefully it's not too much further away. We can hopefully do that. But also encourage us to experience and worship the Lord through our giving. And thank you so much for those of you who have been faithful at doing that. Some of you have dropped by checks in the mail. Some of you have gone, been online on our website and given that way. And some of you have gone on the Easy uh, Tithe app and worship the Lord and giving that way. Some of you have uh, just done your online banking and so forth. But thank you for all of you who have been so faithful in those areas. We know that God is good. He's continuing to take care of us. And, uh, and we're experiencing God's goodness in that area as well. But let's continue to worship the Lord in all these areas. Continue to reach out to those around you and to wish them uh, God's blessing on their lives and uh, just see where you can encourage them. And uh, I know the Lord will bless you for that. Have a great week and uh, look forward to seeing you. Bye.